to the official podcast of the Canberra Raiders. Habili off the seas out now. He puts a kick out. Croke is there against him. Join us as we go Behind the Limelight. Hello and welcome to another edition of Behind the Limelight, the official Cam Raiders podcast. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe. Head to raiders.com.au for more information. Canberra Raiders, spread the green love. Finals time, boys. Benny Pollock and uh, coming in for the injured Tommy Logan or the guy that's taken his RDO on the busiest uh, week of the, the club's year. Hey, Johnny Coiter. Great to be here again. Good to get the call up. I've been... In starting side? Yeah, working hard in Reggie, Just so tell you good what, to be here. Tommy might have to work hard to get his spot back in the team after taking a day off in the first week of finals. What, well, a, what a G up. Well, that's Lucky he's got a good boss, eh? He does, mate. He's got the best in the town. Mate. <laughs> you know, this is our 49th episode. Next week we have the half we'll century. Crack the 50 next week. We there we go. The bat for Beautiful. 50. What a way to bring it up. We were talking to head coach Ricky Stewart yes. uh, during this podcast um, about a whole range of things we're going to go through. Uh, his coaching journey and also, you know, talk about the game this weekend. And then we're going to keep him on and yep. feature him in the 89 so segment. So it's front and back page this week. Exactly Ricky. right. So Rick's, uh, Rick's on this week. So uh, no doubt there'll be plenty of listeners and um, mm. I'm sure he's got plenty of good things to say. So oh, stay always, tuned. It could be a two-hour podcast with Rick. <laughs> uh, boys, uh, we'll get the result out of the way before we uh, preview the big semi-final against the Storm. What was the score? 24-20. It wasn't the Raiders of this year. Defensively, were a little bit uh, funny around there, especially around their line there. But the Warriors stole it because the Warriors have got some good players in that team. Yeah, they do. Um, you know, we wanted to win. Obviously, you want to win every game you play. Mm. Um, Rick gave a, a few guys a, a week off just with a few niggles and things, which is a luxury that we were able to do considering the top four spot was locked up. All and we the were, depth we had. All there. we were really playing for was, um, you know, where we'd finished on the ladder, third or fourth, and it means that we have to go had to go to either Sydney or Melbourne. Um, in the end, after the loss, we go to Melbourne. So it, it doesn't really change a lot of thinking. Uh, one thing I've seen in this group this year is I don't think they're too phased with who they play. We're probably going to have to play the Storm or the Roosters or both all. at some stage yeah. during the final series if we're fair income. So to be honest, um, I think the guys wiped that game about five minutes after full time, uh, and their focus turned directly to Melbourne. So uh, there's not probably there's probably not a lot of um, point going through last week's game. I think we're better off well, you know, focusing further on and, not, and looking ahead. You mentioned about they got over it really quickly. The great thing is that we saw we had Nami on here a few weeks ago, Dinamis Louis, and he mentioned after Johnny after the the Storm win, they didn't really delve in the afterglow too much. They they moved straight on to to Manly that week, and so they, as quick as they can put a loss behind them, they can put a win behind them. We delve into this week, massive finals footy. We're here again. We've been waiting for, for, for a couple of years. Up against the storm, and one could say, I'll say it, one could say maybe some unfinished business down there. We got to the major prelim in 2016. We missed out by two points. It all starts again this week. Yeah, it all starts again. And I think part of that 2016 stuff is like, yeah, they put last week's result behind them. They put the, um, the round 22 win behind them. I'm sure the 2016 game's also behind them. They're not too fussed who they're playing. They're, they're definitely eager to, to win. And um, if, I think, as, as Ben said, if we want to go all the way, we're going to have to beat the big teams. And I think being a top four side, we're, we're one of them. And I think that uh, they, they've played really well all year. It's been great to watch. Yeah, the, the weekend was frustrating and can't take too much out of um, previous games because finals is a different ball game. A whole new ball game. It's a whole new competition. Um, we, they we say get, that we every take time. A bit of, we can take a bit of... Subconscious confidence, though. We, we went down there a few weeks ago and we jagged a win, up, you know, all the adversity, 
It's been mm. well publicised on here. What, what happened that day? We all know what happened that day. They will bounce into that game thinking we're going to knock these guys off. Well, they have to because um, obviously the the carrot uh, for a win against Melbourne is the fact that you get a week off. So once again, those bodies that need a little bit of a rest get that. Um, and then obviously the prelim here in Canberra um, in front of a what will be a sellout crowd um, and the opportunity to, to play for a grand final spot on your home turf. So th- there's definitely plenty of incentive there. Um, we've got guys that we said, as we mentioned, um, you know, six guys coming back into the team this also week. Also BJ didn't play. and well, that's as well. That included them. Six, yeah. So you've got uh, Nickel Klockstad, you've got Rapana, you've got Bateman, uh, you've got Tarpany, Leilua, uh, and of course Soliola. So there's six guys with vast experience coming back into the team, um, pretty much at full strength, uh, going into what is the biggest game of the season so far. So, Well, the cool thing about, just on the outside perspective, I know in the intersect and we spoke about moving on and you know, watching some of the magazine shows in Sydney, they're talking about, oh, gee, the Raiders, like they, they, you know, they, they got their pants pulled down at home. I like that kind of talk. Storm at home, Storm came first, all the pressure's on the Storm, Johnny. The, the playing group isn't t- too fast. If there was pressure mm. or if there wasn't pressure, they'd probably ignore it anyway. And I know mm. that players often will say that sort of thing, and you go, oh, that's a cliche sort of answer, but I feel like that's actually very true with this playing group. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Melbourne, they've, they've had a great season. They've finished, finished on top. Uh, no one's beaten Melbourne twice at home since 2014 when the Bulldogs did it. So um, it's a... It's, it's a hard place to win twice in a season, but I think our boys believe that they can get it done. Uh, but it's going to be a great game. Johnny's on his research, mate. It's going to be a massive... Oh, he's, he's <laughs> way ahead of time. Tommy's, Tommy's <laughs> in trouble. Uh, this, um, this game, though, like, it's got everything. Uh, yeah. uh, it's got matchups right across the park. The coaches, especially. Uh, they, they look at the coaches. I mean, they're, they're best mates. That they, They've said publicly on numerous occasions that they don't like coaching against mm. each other because they're, they're really tight mates. Um, they'll catch up for their customary coffee on the Friday. Well, it used to be a beer, now it's and a coffee. That's right. But apparently Ricky's off the coffee now, and so they won't, what it's going to be. <laughs> they won't talk to each other after that uh, until full time. So, look, um, it's got the makings of a classic. Here's one for you. In 1989, we finished fourth on the ladder. It went every we played week. the minor premiers in the first week of the finals and knocked them off. Mm. 30 years later, opportunity to do exactly the same thing. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'd let that sink in for a while. <laughs> All right, gents, let's do this. Okay, wow. Finals football's here. I don't know about last week. We'll throw away the book from last week. It's a fresh new platter. It's a fresh new tab. Benny Pollock, what's your behind the limelight bold prediction? BJ Leilua, two tries. Two tries to He's DJ on return. He's going to come back in on a return from suspension. He will be hungry. Point to prove uh, I'm backing him in for a double. Johnny, what do you got for us, mate? Big games need big game players. John Bateman, try, try assist, 150 running metres. Wow. Specific, but you got it last time you were on and you went specific. Is, is it a good strike rate, Johnny? I want to go Jack Whiten for uh, at least two try assists and a try himself. Yep. That's the, we talked about this all year. He has got the, he's a triple threat, run, yep. kick, pass. Yep. So... Um, if he gets it right on the night, um, it'll be one hell of a performance by him. He's a big moments player, and I think he's, he's running in a form and really realising his potential at the right end of the season. So what's your score prediction? I'll take 1-0, but I'm going to go Raiders 22, Storm Ooh. 16. Got a high-scoring affair there. Johnny, what do you reckon? I think it's going to be a little bit more low-scoring. I think Raiders get up 18-14. Bit of a grind. I think 18-12 Canberra. Joining us for the first time this year and second time in the podcast history, the coach, Ricky Stewart. G'day, Rick. Nick, how are you? 
I'm really well, Rick. First, I want to start out by saying, um, bring your mind back to 20 years ago, 1999. I was a young fella watching you run around for the Dogs against South Sydney. And I went and met up with some mates afterwards and were in the car and I was like, gee. And there was this silence in the car. And someone popped up and said, how weird was it seeing Ricky Stewart in the blue and white of Canterbury? Because Ricky was such a Raider. He was such a Canberra Raider. Obviously, you finished at the Dogs and your playing career, you, you were coached lower grades there. And Gus and Nick Pilatus got you the, the Roosters with some success. Then you went to the Sharkies, Parramatta. And then you found your way back at Canberra. And any rugby league educated guy in Canberra was saying, geez, it'd be good to get Ricky Stewart back because a lot of the kids will have their posters of him in his wall. You've still he, got one up. I've still got, I've still got <laughs> a few. My old man, mate, you should go to the garage in Queensland, mate. Still 89. But what the point is... You're back. You, you found your way back. Was there? Did you know you were going to come back? Was there a feeling you were going to come back when you're away? There's always hope that uh, one day that the <coughs> opportunity would, you know, um, present itself. But uh, you know, in in this game in coaching, it's a um, it's all timing. I, um, you know, it was always something that uh, would be. Was in the back of my mind, it'd be great that if it uh, did eventuate. It was always it was a very difficult situation because Dave Fern is a great mate of mine and he's mm. a coach here, and you don't wish uh, poorly on your your mates in regards to their coaching position. Um, but it 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 did eventually um, get to a situation where it uh, presented itself, and um, here I am. But you know, it was there's a lot of water that had to go under the bridge too. There was a um, when I did first go to Canterbury, I, I felt awkward too, putting on another jumper. But uh, mm. I must say, the, the Canterbury club were absolutely uh, wonderful on um, <clears throat> how they accepted uh, myself and Bradley Clyde in, into the fold there. And the players and the, um, the staff were, were, were wonderful. They're a great club. Um, I think I, um, I learned a lot from uh, their culture and work ethic uh, as a player at Canterbury that uh, I took a lot of that into my coaching at um, the Roosters. Because that's the thing, you, the, the great thing about that was, was thinking, geez, he's got some experience now, he's worked at four or five other clubs, he's got out of Canberra, he's in <laughs> Sydney, and if he came back, he would bring back that back to Canberra, those different ways of coaching and, and how a, a football club runs. It was a very courageous call by um, John McIntyre um, and, his, and his board at that stage because um, you know, there was also a lot of people who, who didn't want me back either. You know, I went through a... Uh, uh, difficult time on the back end of my uh, contract at Cronulla. I then took over um, State of Origin full time for two years, and I, I really enjoyed that. But I, I just didn't get enough football. You got so the taste of it again. Oh, I, I love Origin. You know, I, Origin coaching is um, it, it's wonderful to be a part of. But I, um, I took that on. It's the first time the New South Wales team had taken a, a full time coach on, so I took it on and say. The head coach of uh, from a full time capacity, and it was a um, as I say, not enough footy. It was uh, mm. only the three games a year. It was a um, you know, I found myself going stir crazy. Um, so then, then I um, took the uh, the opportunity at Parramatta, and uh, I never broke a contract there because I always had it in my uh, clause in the in the deal that if um, you know there's a volat it was well, it was a very volatile. Um, Scenario or situation at Parramatta at that stage, and I was walking into it, and it got uh, got out of hand, and I was dealing with it, and, and happy to deal with it. But um, when 
um, the opportunity at the club here um, arrived, I, uh, I, I I thought, you know, I'm going home. I'm going back to where it all started and, um, to be honest, couldn't wait to get here. Mm. As I say, it was, it was a pretty volatile time that I'd got mm. out, I, I was involved in, so there was a lot of people back home here that maybe still is, I'm not sure, <laughs> um, that, that weren't real keen on the idea, but uh, John and his board were uh, quite courageous and have never listened to um, anything else or what they think is right. And I was fortunate that they saw it as the right fit. And um, I'm still, you know, I'm very appreciative of the extension yesterday. You've well, mentioned the, the, longest, right. the longest standing Raiders, Raiders coach so far. Yeah, you know, you've been some good ones. You certainly, um, you certainly don't do it for um, records or statistics. So I, I do it for one reason: is is to make the club better and and to make it. Uh, to make it that great club we know it is, and and we and we really are. There's a lot of lot of help there from our, you know, like this here as a podcast that promotes our club out to so many listeners. That's uh, what our commercial people do here and now. Uh, job of promoting the the club and the players and, and what the players and staff are doing. It's it's one big business, and it's uh, it's not just about running on playing first grade. It's a big business now. Mm. You talk about that volatility at Parramatta, but what you've got here at Canberra is probably the opposite in stability. Um, and you've said this before, um, right from the top down, um, it's a real club, the, the Canberra Raiders. That doesn't, there's no factions. There's no infighting. There's no um, sort of uh, uh, awkwardness at, between any departments. Everyone seems to be one. And that, for you as a head coach, that must be a great thing not to have to worry about that other stuff going on in the background, knowing that you can just focus on your job. <clears throat> I've had it all as a coach, Ben. Um, when I was at the Roosters, we had strong leadership. Um, Bernie Gurr was my CEO and Nick Pilotis was was the boss. And um, you, you knew you only had to worry about football and, and Nick had your back. Um, you know, when I had difficult times at Cronulla and Parramatta, it was all because of leadership. We had... Um, I think I had five different CEOs. I think the fifth one I didn't have a CEO. Um, we had uh, splits on boards, and it was the same at Parramatta. It was a um, the, the it was a leadership uh, crisis there, and it um, it goes down to the playing group, and it's very difficult to work under as a head coach. And what I've got here is just strong leadership from our uh, chairman down to our board, and that filters through to the club. So let's. Forget about the past and let's talk about the current and the future. You must be really excited with um, with what's happened, not not just over the past twelve months, but I think the past, you know, three to four seasons we've been we've been building ever since that two thousand and sixteen period. We, you know, realistically we probably overachieved that season in in terms of where we were on that progression at that time, and the the two years after that was probably a little bit of a hangover from that, but. The progression that you've seen in that period um, to where we are now, I mean, you talked in press conferences back when you first came here about getting international players, state of origin players in your squad and we would never have success until that happened. And now you've got those guys. You must be really happy where things are in terms of progression. <coughs> My hardest message that I had to keep delivering was that I ask our fans um, to be patient our members and our fans, our supporters, to be patient. And, and I'm not a patient person. So I was delivering a message that I didn't want to be uh, hearing either. But I, I, I kept on saying that we need to have maturity in games, maturity in age with these players. You know, Jared Croker, Jack White, and they're wonderful uh, examples of that. 
Um, we needed origin players, we needed international players, we needed people who have that ability to play at that level of football to, to understand what it is in, in getting there, how to win. There's a big thing about knowing how to win a game of footy. You know, the, and our players know that now. They know how to win and they find a way to win, even if it's ugly. Um, and the other difference we've got now, Ben, is that um, we're not making all the phone calls now to managers. Managers are ringing us and uh, offering us players and that's, that's what's turned the club around now. Players want to play at this club um, and they're from outside these areas. And me personally, I you know, put a lot of focus into our local our local juniors as well. They, they play a massive role in this and a number of those boys in our under-20s team this year who are doing very, very well. And you know, we'll give them the opportunity to the players are going to have the, that capacity to take the next step. The best advertisement for the club uh, is the current playing group. Um, we see it every day um, because we're around it all the time. And you mentioned it in your press conference last week in, in terms of the closeness of the group. Um, you hit the nail on the head last week when you said you've never seen a, a closer bunch. And I see it too every day. I mean, these guys, I mean, they're they, do, they do everything for each other. Yeah, they just, they're, they're, just a, they're just and so tight. And another thing too, Rick, and I think to go back to what I was saying, when you've come back to Canberra without embarrassing you, you've brought the love for Canberra in the boys and you speak to them, whether it's, the, you know, CEO who's in his 30s or mm. Bailey Simonson or Charnsey, he just like, they, they feel like Canberra's home now and, and they just feel so at home here. It's 20 minutes to get here, 20 minutes to get there. They're always around each other compared to probably what the Sydney guys have where they're just split everywhere. Where the boys here, they're just one big happy family and there's no clicks. Everyone's just on one on one page. A friend, a friend of mine... Uh, Said to me, he's actually in 2016, um, helping me do some um, um, presentations. Uh, she said that uh, you know you don't need to have been born in Canberra to feel feel that belonging, mm. and I use that, and it's so right because so many of our players that have played here and been successful here, um, so many of our players that have um, over the many many years that have enjoyed Canberra, they weren't born here, mm. but they were locals. They they felt a part of the community, um, and they felt that belonging. That, that Good example is Big Mouth. On board. Absolutely. He, you know? he, he hates leaving here. <laughs> he, um, the He's had more comebacks than John Farnham, Mal to Canberra. To Canberra, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, I think, Benny, I'm asking you a question, this would be probably the, the, the best group you guys, from a commercial point of view, have worked yeah. with and a media point of view. I mean, you're always asking the guys to do promotional <laughs> activities or media requests. Um, I think you would find that their relationship with you guys is probably the best. I mean, certainly I think it's been the best. Most since definitely. Since there's there, a there's respect there. There is. There's respect and it goes both ways. And um, uh, I did an interview with ABC a few weeks ago and we talked about this and relationships between players and staff at clubs and, and how that can affect your, your day-to-day work. And you've got nothing but good things to say about this current group. They're just um, a What's wonderful this, bunch of blokes. When I first got here, I, I've had now probably four different um, – just local business people come in and talk to the players about um, the perception out there towards our playing group and I want the truth. Mm. And it's been very valuable because we're in our own little cocoon here. You know, we're at training all day and then the boys leave HQ and they're off out in the, uh, into the community. I, I want to know what the perception is and you're never going to have 100% um, um, approval rate or tick off but uh, if it's... If it's respectful and people see that um, you know, we're buying into the community, I, I think that is really important. And these, these local business people who have come in and spoken to the boys have been very, very uh, enlightening in regards mm. to well, what, what they feel. 
well, working through the radio, you see with some of the boys that come and get involved with some promos, they're all about the community, they're all about the kids in there, they know it's not about them, it's about the output. And just yesterday I had the boys recording for, we got the music music shifts we're doing with the boys and they knew that it wasn't about us, it was about what the listeners were going to hear and what they were going to, you know, the, the external part. And they all buy into the community, so they're not just Raiders, they're Canberrans. Rico, we bounced into the game this week, the storm. One of your friends told me at one of your golf days, Said that uh, Ricky and Craig very similar people, <laughs> and and the thing is they I don't hate spit as much as him. <laughs> but but I don't, I I don't know. <laughs> but you might be telling me if this is true or not. They hate coaching against each other because they they get so competitive in the box. They almost they almost want to <coughs> learn to hate the opposition like they were as players. Is that true? Is that hard coaching against a mate like Craig? Yeah, I I don't enjoy coaching against him at all. Um, he's a great coach. I think he's the best coach in the game. Um, and genuinely hate coaching against him because I um, um, there's that respect and mateship amongst us. I, was, I found it very awkward this week in um, talking to Craig, but he rang me yesterday morning and I picked up the phone laughing and <laughs> um, I said I didn't know what I should do, and he said, "Well, he said, yeah, you little prick." He said, "I knew you wouldn't call me, so I had to call you." <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, look. <clears throat> That mateship will never be uh, burnt. Um, he mentioned we're so close, and you know we'll have a coffee on yeah. Friday afternoon. But that's it, or then a tea now. Then yep. we're back to uh, well, one thing you war. mentioned. <laughs> one thing you mentioned. I interviewed him when he came down for an old boys' day, and without embarrassing you again, I asked a lot of them who was your favourite teammate and why. A lot of them said yourself in all different areas, but he said favourite teammate was Ricky I was Stewart. The only bloke you'd shout out. <laughs> <laughs> favourite teammate was Ricky Stewart because we had an understanding on the field. But also off the field as well, a special understanding about each other. It was a um, those guys. You know, the biggest message we had in '89, not '90, when we had that um, <clears throat> great run, was it was personal to us. On this on this game, though, Rick, this weekend, obviously we we all know what happened a few weeks ago against the Storm, that remarkable comeback game. They won't let that happen again down there on, uh, well, on Saturday said, night. Finchie said to me last week. Storm don't make the same mistake twice. Yeah, they, they'll, they'll be ready for you this time. How do you approach this game differently to what you did uh, in that situation uh, a few weeks have ago? To, have to ask Brett Finch. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, um, the, the, the Storm are a very, very well-drilled footy team. They're very well coached, as I just said there a moment ago. It's a um, um, probably made our challenge tougher, but... We're going to have to play the storm at some stage of the uh, the semi-finals, and um, we're going to be tough enough to take the challenge on. Celebrating the 30th anniversary of the Green Machine's epic 1989 Grand Final victory. Yeah, we continue on with a uh, car. Raiders coach Ricky Stewart. We go back in time to 89. Now, Sticky, first of all, 89, packing your bag at home, your mouth guard, your shorts, your socks, and you forgot your boots. Yes. It's a well-known story now, but I want to ask you, was that a healthy distraction for you, knowing that you probably had to focus on that? Because they always talk about the rock star has the best gig when he breaks a string before the show because he's worried about getting the string instead of stressing about what's before him. How was it for yourself? It was a healthy... Distraction knowing the fact that David Campisi wore exactly the same boots as me and we had exactly the same foot size. So uh, he was the first phone call. 
And this is the world of no mobile phones. How did you get in contact with him so quickly? Um, I can't remember, actually. But, um, you can ring the phone and then you'd get halfway yeah, through and you'd were, make a mistake and go back to the start. You probably weren't <laughs> born then, Nick, but there were phones in your room. <laughs> <laughs> now I called Campo and um, uh, asked him for his boots. I mean, he called me uh, uh, for everything under the sun, but um, <laughs> as Campo does. Um, that was a... That was a um, yeah, it was an interesting moment. I don't know if it takes the... Uh, the 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 stress or the um, the big match atmosphere away from you, but it was certainly uh, comforting knowing the fact that I was going to be still wearing the same type of boots. But it was um, um, then those boots we had uh, Steve Libri. We had a big yep. um, function for him because he broke his mm. neck that season, and um, <clears throat> we had a big function for him. And his father bought them, bought the boots. You at mentioned a, that uh, the fundraiser, thing, yeah. fundraiser for Steve, yeah. Talking about making it personal, uh, and you said that in that season, that's what you did. Um, that season was, uh, you know, you look back now and you see the, see the Raiders team and you think, wow, what a side. But people don't realise that during before that game, not many people would have known uh, many of the players outside of your males, your badges and <coughs> things like that. You guys were all pretty young, beginning of your careers. And what was it like for you uh, heading into that game? It's that... You're right, mate. No one really did know uh, any of us apart from Gary and Mal, and uh, that was the um, the the famous um, call up at the breakfast when we were at the uh, I think it was the Sheraton mm. Hotel. I'm not sure. It might have been the Sheraton Hotel. We were all lined out outside the the function room where where the Balmain boys all got named and individually named and walked in and to be presented uh, on stage. And then they uh, said, "And here we have the the Raiders. Uh, we have Mal and." Gary Belcher and who else we got there? Uh, come on in, boys. They couldn't. <laughs> they couldn't uh, uh, the MC couldn't present us in individually because he didn't know our names. And but burn you? right there and then. You know, we we actually I remember turning and saying that they will know who we are by Sunday afternoon, and um, we made it personal and uh, it stuck with us for a long time. Just with the game, and I spoke to a lot of. Obviously, we spoke to all the players involved, whether they were Tigers boys, uh, Raiders boys. We spoke to Billy Harrigan. The change of the game there where you felt like you are probably the better team at, at one stage. <clears throat> and they, they talk about conceding a try on half-time can really kill your spirits. I can't imagine that at a grand final. And 30 years ago, 12-2 was quite a handy lead. Something so significant said by your coach and your captain at half-time to keep the belief in the sheds. Because you had blokes like Boxhead and blokes like Lazar kicking stains thinking, oh, we're gonna, we've missed out again. What was said there... And obviously yourself now as a coach, what was really said in there now that, that you came out in the second half and orchestrated? Yeah, no one, no one was kicking stones. You know, we 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 moved away from our half time so confident that we were in this game and we could still win it through purely through the uh, the motivation and words from Tim Sheens, and you know, he was a wonderful master at uh, giving you the self belief. And he he said, I've and he always said to us, he said, I'm not worried about the scoreboard at half time. I want to be playing better football. So when we got in there, he said, look, leave the score alone. He said, guys, we're playing a lot better football than uh, the, the, the Tigers and we can come home here. So then we talked about our strategy, sticking to our plan and uh, taking the, uh, the limit opportunities that you get. But Tim, was he stressed. He said, we are playing really well here and, uh, and we will get a bounce of the ball. We will, we, will, we will get back into the game. And he gave us the belief and confidence where we took the field and you know, away it went. But uh, that was uh, the masterstroke from Tim to make sure that he, we had that belief. I think some of that's rubbed off on you because I, I've heard you say similar things in change rooms before too because you know from personal experience that there's moments in games that can that can change a game for you. And, and 
I don't think I've ever seen a game of footy where there were so many small moments mm. that contributed yeah. to an outcome. And for you guys, you just seem to be on the, the right end of those moments from the start of that second half. Yeah, I often, I mean, I, I learned so much from Tim, uh, Ben, from uh, playing under him for so many years and, and still talk to him today. But um, I often say to our players that the big, the, the big moments in games comes off the little, the little moments that are won. And those little moments actually gen- generate the big moment. You know, uh, I was only just showing the boys a, um, a clip the other day and it was a try against uh, the Warriors back in our last, uh, around 20, I think it was, um, <clears throat> when we last played the Warriors over there. And Josh Hodgson come out and put pressure on a kicker. The kicker got uh, um, skewered off and we actually got the football on from Jack White and um, Catch. We won the next two play the balls and we scored a 60-metre try. That came off the ability of Josh Hodgson exerting that extra little bit of energy, that one percenter, we call it a Dean Lance contribution, where he gets out there and he puts pressure on the kicker and it's a, and it's a poor kick. Um, it could have been pushed into the, into the corner. We mm. could have been coming out one metre from our try line, but nobody, everybody saw the skill of the try and nobody saw how it was actually produced and what yeah. generated the, the opportunity for us to actually get the football. Yeah, those moments in that '89 game. You think about the the ankle Al, tap, Al's ankle, ankle tap, ankle tap. The, 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 ankle tap. I mean, they yeah. sh- <laughs> that's right. They <laughs> shift the ball two yeah. plays later, and Wayne yeah. Pearce knocks it thing. on the field goal. Spoke to Paul so Martin many. about that, and he said that he had this kind of almost like unspoken communication with Mal because if he jammed in, that would have been a try for the Tigers. Mm. Different story, but he just knew to stay out, and Mal had his inside, and the ankle tap was enough to do it. Speaking about big moments, Chris O'Sullivan like, with that kick with Angel. How much was off the game plan was that field goal? Right off it. <laughs> so I went to the scrum and, and Sully said to me, I'm going to kick a field goal here. I said, no, no, no. I said, let's take a few more into the post and we'll take it then. No, no, I'm kicking it. I said, no, don't. I said, mate, let's just jam a couple into the post first, get a little bit closer and we'll kick it from there. It'll make it easier. No, no, I'm kicking it. So I pointed to Mal and I said, well, you tell him because I ain't. <laughs> <laughs> And typical Sully, he didn't tell Mal. <laughs> he just kicked it. But it proved um, to work. It gave you the little upper hand and gave you the lead for the first time and then you broke players, the Tigers' backs after that. Big players win big moments and uh, that was Sully. And Sully is probably one of the most competitive football players that I've ever played with. And uh, um, he was uh, adamant that it, he was taking the shot and um, there was no way in the world he's going to get talked out of it. And, once I must say, once I seen it flying over the crossbar, I'm thinking <laughs> to myself, gee, that was a good choice. <laughs> <laughs> You've had some amazing moments in your career personally, grand finals, origin, Australia. Is that the best moment of your career when, when the full-time siren went in that game? Ben, two, two moments that come to my um, mind uh, from a team point of view, um, personal point of view, is definitely the 89 grand final. Absolutely, mate. It's, uh, and and there'd be nothing that ever, ever, and uh, challenge that. Uh, from an individual point of view, it was my second test for Australia. Oh. When I had I actually threw an inset pass and basically given given the opportunity for England to win the Ashes. Um, uh, I bet you were happy when you saw Big Mal looming up mate, on the inside. There was a big dark shadow come over top of me. I'm thinking, <laughs> was, he me I'm was, he call, was he calling for you? you could, it, was like the, it was like the sun had just been <laughs> going down, but there was this big frame coming towards me from from behind me and it was 
It was the nicest time I've ever seen Mal just loom up above yeah. me. Because oh, I'd, I'd seen the vision a thousand times. Um, I think I was a kid watching it on TV at some ungodly like four hour. in the morning or something. You went through that gap in that and you were instantly looking left, right, where am I going to go here? And I've got to go. On, I've got to go. You, you, would you, too, said, if you had my speech. <laughs> <laughs> and you said, I've got to go. So you went and then thankfully yeah. Mal and was it a bit of an unspoken communication there that you guys Absolutely. just knew each other's game Absolutely. so well? You could feel him there. Uh, you're right, Nick, and I, I don't say that now trying to feel as though I want to generate a mm. lot of hype over it, but no, I, I, I felt I could feel Mal coming, and I actually looked to my right, and I was going to kick, kick and hope for... Uh, for ET. Yep. Yeah, and I still talk in in coaching today that, you know, don't pass and hope, don't kick and hope. There's no hope in footy. Mm. You know, you've got to have confidence and belief in the execution or the decision you make. Don't hope. And that came from that moment. But the... Other thing with Mal is just you could feel him looming up on mm. your inside. But going back to '89, look, it was a um, it was life changing. Yeah, for me and every other individual that was involved in that game and the club itself, it was life changing for the club. But um, life changing and not making it. Um, Life changing for the Central Motel in Queenman as well. The Central uh, Cafe. Central Cafe. Sorry, <laughs> absolutely. You would have yeah. ate so many snitties there. Just <laughs> oh, on that, Rick. Good. Young fella growing up in Queanbeyan, you know, you were union on Saturdays, league on Sundays, boy, you would have been the kind of kid kicking, spending time at fields all day, kicking balls. So a local man being involved with watching the early Raiders at Seaford Oval, it would have been outstanding having yourself there on one side of Seaford, then on the other side of Seaford, you would have had Bradley Clyde's family and Glenn Lazarus's family. 1989, you bring that Winfield Cup to Canberra. What was the the Canberran slash Queenman boy and Ricky Stewart, once all the party was over and all the celebrations were done, what was the, your own inner thoughts thinking, wow, look what we've achieved here? Uh, two ways to answer that. One, it was for, for Canberra. Now, it wasn't just about the, the, the squad, the club. It was for Canberra. We put uh, Canberra on the map in regards to the, our identity as a rugby league uh, city now. Um, and secondly, the um, you know, winning it, um, bringing it home... Um, just gave you so much more motivation of wanting to do it again. I want to be in this position again. And that's what winning comps does to you as an individual. I want to do this again. What would it mean to do the same thing as the coach this time instead of a player? Uh, it would be as great, Ben. But um, I don't let myself uh, fall into that line of thinking. I, I'm, I, really, I really think about tomorrow's session. I'm thinking about, uh, you know, we've just finished a uh, video, video meeting. Um, I'm thinking about our session tomorrow and how we're going to get to this game. It's um, the one thing I won't do is let myself uh, stray too far away from the game we've got at hand. In this segment, is there something you take out of the '89 game, metaphorically speaking, and apply to your life today? From the experience, it was such a profound experience for players, coaches, fans. Is there something that sticks with you? Yeah, yeah, it is. A couple of things actually. Uh, yeah, the mateship that's been um, produced from uh, that era, and you know the life experiences that people have given me, such as Tim Sheens. Thanks, Rick, awesome. for talking to us. Thank Appreciate you. your time. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, boys.